0: Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Anita Jay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater out here in Massachusetts. And today is Friday, April 27th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we're reading from the big book. And we are on page 55, the very last paragraph is where we are beginning. And we're going to read through five paragraphs. So it starts with, in this book you will read, and it will end with companionship with his creator. Comments will be taken on all five paragraphs. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Nancy H., 12 Traditions, Jen A., and readers of the text are Katie G., Lauren N., and Waiting in the Wings is Barbara E. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Thursday, April 26, are, for the 7 a.m. meeting, 11346 and for the 10 a.m., 11348. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is, that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'll now ask Nancy H. to begin by reading the 12 Steps.
1: Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H., a grateful, recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Happy to have a voice today. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to
0: practice these
1: principles in all our affairs. Thank you for your service and let, thank you for letting me um, serve.
0: Oh, thank you, Nancy H. And I'll now ask Jen A. to read Always 12 Traditions.
2: Good morning, Jen A. from Colorado, Recovered. Thanks for letting me be of service. The 12th tradition of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. My pass.
0: Thank you very much, Janay.
2: How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses
0: on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two or five, as it goes today, from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. So to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we resume our study in the big book and we are at the bottom of page 55 which begins, uh, in this book you will read and we'll be reading through five paragraphs ending with companionship with his creator. Comments will be taken on all five paragraphs. And I've asked Katie G to get us going. Good morning,
3: Katie. Good morning, Miss Anita. Good morning. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic, in Boston. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. Our friend was a minister's son. He attended church where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration. Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide, these calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Post war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self destruction one night when confined in a hospital he was approached by an alcoholic who has known a spiritual experience our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out if there is a god he certainly hasn't done anything for me but later alone in his room he asked himself this question is it possible that all religious people i have known are wrong while pondering the answer he felt as though he lived through hell Then, like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? This man recounts that he tumbled out of bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He stepped from bridge to shore for the first time. He lived in conscious companionship with his creator. What a privilege. Um, Yeah, I mean, I can relate so much to this gentleman um, being rebellious at life, Um, you know, hating everybody. Rebellious means resisting management or treatment. Like I was the manager of you and everybody else and my family. Um, and my finances and um, I was just a huge controller and what did it lead to what did it lead to trouble frustration calamities immediate um, uh, suicide serious uh, food addiction and pending mental. Yeah, me too. And um, What what was really struck to me this morning was that I you know This resentment that he gets
4: if there is a God he certainly hasn't done anything for me. Is it you know happen if there is a god then yes can you hear me oh, go, yeah
5: oh okay
3: um if there is a god then uh, then why why um did this happen if there is a god then why was my childhood like this if there is a god then why 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 and what i love is the destruction of self it says brought him to the point of self-destruction Because what he says is, if there is a God, he hasn't done anything for me. And then he goes, is it possible that all religious people I have known are wrong? Who am I to say there is no God? So all of a sudden, there was destruction of self, right? Like all of a sudden total defeat and he i didn't have this kind of experience but all the capitals presence of god infinite power and love he is unblocked for the first time or for a time and he's able to get to god and although it has been a slower process for me and i want to be clear like i didn't get to that point i didn't feel god i didn't you know, bask in the presence of God until I did the steps, right? Because I need to engage in spiritual surgery. I need to be completely reoriented. And what has happened is all of those horrible things, right, that happened into my childhood – my The story of my childhood has changed, and I don't look at my parents and, and all of the things that they did to me, and I see all of the things that my parents did for me, even though they were human beings who failed, right, and all of the horrible things that happened to me were opportunities to see where God had taken care of me, and there was a huge, huge shift where I moved from a victim of everything happening in my life to a woman of Honor, dignity, and grace, God willing, and taking responsibility. And that is what happens, my friends, when we go through the steps, when we have an entire, when we have a plan of entire abstinence and working the 12 steps, you know, and if you're, you know, if you're standing on the bridge and your pants are on fire because you're in pain, we have a solution for you, and that solution will bring you to God. So I'm going to keep showing up one more day, and with that, I do pass.
0: Thank you so much, KVG. All right. Who else would like to share on these five paragraphs?
6: Janice, Janice
0: H- M- 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 Okay, hold on just a minute, Janice and Barbara. Hello, Oh, this is I heard you. I heard you. I I I think I have missed some people, but um. Was it Janice M or Janice PM? And then did I hear Harlan? Thank Kim you, Anita.
6: Janice PM,
0: yeah. Yeah. And um, Kim, Kim G and Barbara E and Vasa O. And who else was in there? Nancy uh, H. Larry. Nancy H. and Larry. All right, that's a nice beginning, Nancy H. and Larry. <laughs> All right, Janice PM followed by Harlan. Good morning.
6: Well, good morning to you, Anita J. This is Janice PM from Massachusetts. Well, this is a story, yes. Now, remember, I have to remember when I'm reading this. This is, you know, step two, as far as I I studied. This is step two, and you know, it's talking about this man. He's given us um, an example of an atheist. Now, he thought he was an atheist, and the previous paragraph told us, you know, open up our minds and we'll get on the broad highway, whether we're agnostic, whether we're atheists, whether we're a believer or whatever. But this man thought he was an atheist. So he's starting to rethink in his mind when it says his change of heart That means, yeah, you know, he's starting to open up his mind. He's becoming willing to believe that, "Mm, you know, these people, you know, are probably right after all. And um, his change of heart, which means that his willingness um, was dramatic and convincing um, and moving. It was suddenly... um, you know, so now um, he he's in the hospital, and this is a this is a, a minister's son. So he was very rebellious. His mind was closed because of the way he thought. You know, he couldn't get these new ideas. So you know, the calamities, the disappointments, the disasters. You know, embittered him. Embittered means he had some bitter feelings, um, and he was you know he was depressed. He was downcast. Um, Disappointed, Um, but he had a spirit. He said a spiritual experience. Well, what it says here, um, who had known a spiritual experience, he was approached by an alcoholic who had, you know, a spiritual. Who was known to have a spiritual experience. It really wasn't him. He was the most important thing here with this atheist. Is he started to be willing? to open his mind to rethink to have a change of heart and you know that's you know to lay aside the prejudices and um you know that that's that's a wonderful thing to happen to ooh you know, all of a sudden say, gee, but there is a possibility that, you know, they could be right, and that's what we need. That's what I needed to say, um, you know, after I knew that I was powerless, to to need and, and open up my mind that, hmm, there might be something else. Maybe these people, these religious people, you know, are right after all. So he was always, he's already starting to be persuaded, um by the way, he thinks. And with that, I am going to ch- uh, pass. Thanks, Anita.
0: Thanks very much. Thanks very much. All right, Harlan, followed by Barbara E.
7: Thank you, Anita. I'm Harlan G. I'm from Scottsdale, but I'm actually calling from Albuquerque, New Mexico this morning. I'm at the convention. John Henry Fitzhugh Mayo became a very close friend of Bill Wilson's. Fitz Mayo, as he was called, got sober in New York. He was one of the first people to get sober in the New York groups. Most of the early sobrieties came out of Akron. Dr. Bob was a far better sponsor, a far better mentor than Bill Wilson. And one of the few people, or one of the early, not few, but one of the early sobrieties was Fitz Mayo. And his story is on page 208 in the big book. And it's called Our Southern Friend. And when we look at the story of Fitz Mayo, we are looking at the story of a man who, like Bill Wilson, had a sudden and profound spiritual experience. And when he talks about being confined in a hospital, he was in the Towns Hospital in New York City, and he was approached by an alcoholic whose name just happened to be Bill Wilson. And he had a spiritual experience. But on page 87, when it refers to religious people may be right, this was another one of Mayo's influences on Bill. And this is something that he said. And he comes to a conclusion after an extremely painful life. He had a lot of disappointments in his life. Gosh, can I relate to that? Mm, let me think. Yes. And he jumps out of bed. And he says, Who are you to say there is no God? And so many people that I talk to all the time, we just bristle at that thought of God, don't we? Two and 10, the most underutilized steps. Three and four, the most, most misunderstood. He said to himself that nothing he had done to get sober, to get his life together, had worked. He was in the town's hospital, he had been a drunk. For most of his life, he started drinking at a very early age, as it relates in the story. And he tumbles out of bed to his knees, and in a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. Notice that that's in capital letters, because that's a higher power. And it poured over and through him with the certainty, not the suspicion, but the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He, For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. And that's what I find when I pray. And that's what I find when I pause, pray, and proceed. That I am in, consci- I am in conscious companionship with my creator. We are no longer adversaries. Now, Fitzmao was diagnosed with cancer when World War II broke out, just after the big book came out. He had not served in World War I. He wanted to serve in World War II. He gets diagnosed with cancer. He dies in 44. Why am I saying that? Because he continued to start AA in Baltimore, Maryland, and continued to work with people, with other drunks. He was very good friends with Jimmy Burwell, the atheist, right up to the time when he couldn't do it anymore because he wanted to give back. And with that, I will pass. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much, Harlan. Uh, Barbara
4: E., followed by Vasa. Go ahead. Barbara E, press star one. Can you hear me now?
0: Yes, thank you.
8: Oh, oh, I was having a lovely conversation with myself. There is so much, so much in these paragraphs and only three minutes to talk about them. Wow. A referral from a satisfied client is a valuable seal of approval. And that's what we hear in this book. The testimony of what a 100 members of AA who, back in the 1930s, had appeared to be recovered from a hopeless condition. And that's what is offered to me and you here. But the concept of my needing to accept the premise that I was in need of a higher power source outside my finite self was hard for me to swallow. That's why at first I always skimmed this chapter. I was told that I could act as if I believed. I didn't actually have to believe. So it was no surprise my recovery in OA was a spotty one. I was concerned with my recovery, but not with yours. And I was concerned with working some of the steps thoroughly, but not all of them. It was hardly for a person like myself a scientifically oriented person who didn't think I needed faith in anything except for the power of me. Um, So what did I have to do? I had to look for the faith within. I had to crack open that rock that was obscuring me from having a faith faith in something that was beyond my intellect in my reason. I had to actually look within my heart and my heart was a rock. In this book I read that the seed of faith is within everyone and I must have that faith and an ideal greater than myself to stop being the manager and give over my control. That divine spark that I talked about so what mountain was there to be cracked open? It was indeed the, the rock of my heart. That rock had to be crashed so that I could open the, the mountain of my ego and give it up. It had to be cracked open and I had to truly believe, not just act as if I believed. I had to be brought to God. God is or God isn't. With faith, we can do everything. The answer is that one must have faith in an ideal greater than oneself, Barbara.
4: And a crucial wonder and respect for something that's greater than me. It could be true nature, beauty, grace, nom. But just know it wasn't me.
8: Whatever we called it, we all wanted to... Oh, thank you. We all wanted to move together to get to the top of the mountain. Have a beautiful weekend, my friends. I pass. Thanks
0: very much, Barbara E. Vasa, followed by Nancy H.
9: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive, over here calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts, Thank you, Anita, for your service, and thank everybody for being here this morning. And I can relate with uh, this man so much after suffering with uh, the food addiction for so long, so many years, and and other things, you know, it wasn't just the the food. And uh, I can identify with this man because I am a minister's daughter, and I grew up with a lot, a lot of religion, and I also grew up in a communist country for 15 years, so I had a lot of mixed messages in my mind. And uh, I remember, you know, giving up on God when I was like 19 years old because, you know, whatever was going on home in my home, I remember praying to God, please come down, help us, you know. He wasn't coming. So I said, well, all right, then you must not be there. Well, I, 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 get, I thank God that I had this food addiction. I mean, I, I, when I had it, it was not fun. I hated it, you know, I wanted to put it down. But this is what brought me on my knees to to surrender. And uh, again, I had a woman that was in uh, away for a couple of years, a friend of mine, and she introduced me to a higher power that she knew, you know. And I said, whatever, whatever. But I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I was just so willing and ready. To surrender, I've said it to God, to the twelve steps. I just didn't care who I surrendered, as long as I didn't have to do it by myself any longer. I mean, it's not like I did it by myself. I did all those other things that other people did, you know. My doc- I did what the doctors told me. I went to the Weight Watchers. I went to Glorious. It's not like I did it by myself, but with all the things that I found out there, it just was not working until I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I had no clue, as I've said many times, about the allergy. I had no clue about the mental obsession. I had no clue I could surrender. How could I surrender to something that I cannot see, I cannot touch? I felt like I needed to have a proof, you know. Well, my sponsor said, just do it anyways, you know. And what happened to me, this man was in the hospital, but he had the spiritual experience, and I came from my first meeting. And I had it in my bathroom. I locked the door, shut, you know, locked the bathroom door. I didn't want my husband or my kids to walk in and find me on, on my knees in the bathroom or all the places. I should be in church praying, you know. And that's when I, on my knees, I humbled myself and I said, God, I surrender with the food. I surrender. I can't, um, my time is up. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm. Um, I surrender. That's when I have my big spiritual experience, and I will. I will continue this next time. Thank you,
0: and I pass. Continue part two tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks very much, Vasa. Nancy H, followed by Larry. I hear this... some background noise. Make sure everyone's muted except Nancy H. All right, go ahead, Nancy.
1: Good morning. This is Nancy H. again from Massachusetts, very grateful, recovered compulsive overeater, And we're looking here at a man who had really, he was an atheist. He didn't want a thing to do with God. And, you know, when this great thought came to him, which I think was divinely inspired, um, he got to change a little bit of his attitude. And when he stepped from the bridge to shore, now he's willing to believe. And this is step two, and it's telling us that all all we need is a willingness to believe. Um, The Reagnostics chapter, I think, tells everyone that the atheists and the agnostics are not hopeless, you know, to find a higher power. And when he says he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God, that's a spiritual experience. And um, on page 567, they also tell us that many of us have had spiritual awakenings that come gradually, In in his case, it was a thunderbolt lightning. So now his belief in a higher power is going to allow him to go on with the rest of the steps. And I really believe that anyone who thinks that they can't have this program because they're atheist or agnostic, after reading this chapter, would be convinced that, gee, maybe I should give this a try. Maybe it's not hopeless for me. So I think that this man here is a perfect example of someone who had given up on God and who now... Could find a God in his program. And, and he went on and finished the program. And thank you, God, this is what hit him to allow him to um, go on. So I think I'll pass with that. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Nancy.
0: Larry Kay, you are up.
5: Good morning, Anita. Thanks for your service. Um, Larry Kay, recovered composable reader from Chicago.
7: Yeah, many of us,
5: um, you know, arrive here. We we don't, you know, we don't have a good necessarily a good no a good uh, relationship with any higher power. Maybe no relationship at all. Maybe we have some bad feelings about God. You know, this guy had a change of heart. It's about a spiritual surrender. There's two surrenders. The surrender is in, in the first step in your powerlessness. We we put down the food 100%. There is a spiritual surrender, and it takes what it takes to bring us to our knees. And surrender is at the heart of all spiritual practice. No, no path is more powerful or profound. You know, but what does it mean to surrender? And, and more importantly for me, what does it not mean? And I think surrender is often misunderstood. It, you know, we boil it down to a few affirmations about letting go, and then it's misused as a sort of self-help instruction. But, you know, in my misunderstanding, in my trying to do surrender with my mind like we do everything else we you know what i did i drained surrender of the true miracle that it is you know what surrender is not it's not a failure or defeat it's not a punishment it's not even a decision to let go and it's certainly not a task that we can do or accomplish with our mind nor is it a state that we can will ourselves into. That's what I'll do. I'll will myself into it. And it's not a decision to be comfortable with the status quo. That's not surrender for me. It's certainly not an ending. What surrender is for me, every one of us at some point in our lives, you know, we encounter these situations that rocks our foundation of who we are and who we think we can be, what we can bear. And sometimes it's a situation we've been living with for a long time. And sometimes it might be a sudden event that overwhelms us and, and, and our usual coping strategies are utterly useless with it. And while the content may differ, what these experiences, you know, share is the power to bring us to our knees figuratively and often literally as well. And the power to change us. That's what this guy experienced. Surrender for me happens when we know we don't know anything anymore and certainly not anything that can help us. And it arrives when we know that we can't think or see our way through where we are. So in true surrender, just wrapping up, we don't know if what's to come will be better, worse, or or more comfortable, or even less comfortable. All we know is that we can't do it this way, the way we've been doing it, not for a moment longer. And then surrender happens when it can't not happen. Thank God for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Larry. Uh, Before I take names, just to remind you, those who tumbled out of bed late this morning, we started at the bottom of um, page 55, beginning with, uh, in this book, you will read ending five paragraphs later with companionship with his creator. So who would like to continue? Nancy
4: P. Nessa R.
0: Just a minute. Craig F. R. Craig F. So Craig. Who was the woman before Craig F? Julie F. Melissa C. Oh.
10: Lauren N.
0: Okay. Call F. And wait a minute. And Melissa C.
4: Thanks.
0: Sarah and M. J. Okay, I hope we can get to all of you. Just a minute. Lauren N. Lauren N. I've got you in there, Lauren. We'll see. I hope we get Thank you, you. Anita.
11: Jeannie F.
0: I don't think we're going to get much further, but I'll put you in. Is it Julie F?
12: It's Jeannie.
0: Jeannie F. Okay, I'm not sure Jeannie. All right, Nancy P. I'm sorry,
7: moderator. Julie Julie S. was in there long before all these other people.
0: Hey, hey, keeper of the people.
11: (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh I had asked. I didn't hear her. Okay, I'll throw her in the middle. Julie S
12: or S. It's Jeannie. It's Jeannie, not Julie. And yeah. thank you, Charles yeah. H. Uh, oh. This is um now. I was taking talking up about time.
0: I'm sorry. I was talking
4: about Juliet.
12: I don't think there is a Julia.
0: Okay. Okay. Look at. I think I'm just going to keep going here because we're now taking up some time for a speaker. Nancy P. Followed by Melissa C. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi. Can I be more heard? More? Yes, you can. Can I be?
13: Okay. Hi. This is Nancy P. From the Boston area. So this is. <clears throat> excuse me. Profound for me. I um. I um. Wait. I'm just setting my timer. I'll make it two. 45. I've got it. Um, I've got it. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, all right. Um, so, um, so I came, you know, I was truly, once again, life gave me another opportunity to find God. And out of the many, this time I felt like I was backed up against the wall. And I called my friend and she said, you must be calling about vision. And um, I said, well, and she said, let me tell you about it. And I, she started to talk about it and I burst into tears and she said, what? Tell me what the problem is. Ah, I'm getting all choked up. And um, so I told her, and she didn't mention the problem. She just said that she hadn't picked up in four and a half years or something like that. And
4: so I dialed in. Nancy? Nancy? Nancy, what happened to you? Hello, am I there? Now
0: you are. Yes. So you oh, dialed sorry. in. Oh,
13: Oh, okay. So I dialed in, and I became abstinent on December first of 2017. And um, you know, I, you know, surrendering isn't wasn't the problem really. It was getting to the other side. You know, like broken, bruised, and bleeding. There I was. But what am I going to do with it if I don't have something to help me stay surrendered? And a few weeks after that, listening and having gotten a sponsor, I called my friend back and I said, you wouldn't believe it. And I went on and on. She said, no, I can hear it in your voice. I said, that's not good enough. I must shout it to you right now with my own voice that I'm different. So I can tell you that in the past five months, um, my actions have dictated my thinking. I've stayed, the allergy of the body is gone. I've stayed out of the food. That was like, you know, and, That was like the beginning. And then I got a sponsor, and the currency that I paid her was honesty and willingness. And that allowed me, that was like a key, really, not a currency. And that opened up a tiny little door. And it was sort of like, you know, whoever discovered um, New York Harbor, they go through it or whatever, and then they discover this huge New York State. It's like teeny little thing down at the bottom, and then this big lobe of land at the the top on the Hudson River. And um, that's what happened to me. I can say that um, you know, honesty and willingness after having put the food down allowed me to get to where I am today. And so what to me, what a an, what an, what an spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience of the educational variety is, it, yes, it did take some time. It didn't come upon me all at once. However, I feel like today I live in a constant state of the certainty of a great tide at flood. Every day, every minute of every day, my spirituality that, as I know it today, and it's so brand new, it's time, only going to get time. bigger and stronger. Thank you. I'll wrap up. So if it can work for me, it can work for anybody. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks so much, Nancy. Uh, Nessa and then Melissa and then Jeannie. Morning, Nessa.
14: Hi. Good morning, Anita. Thank you. I didn't think you had heard me. Um, my name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in um, Toronto, Canada. Um, so this man's experience is, is not like my own. Um, I never really had that uh, bolt of lightning um, to wake me up and make me aware of the presence of God. My, my experience was more gradual, but I also uh, never doubted God's existence. I was never uh, mad at God the difference for me was that I never really felt the presence of God, um, in my life. Um, mostly because, uh, like this man, I mean, I didn't feel that he had not done anything for me, but he hadn't done what I wanted him to do. You know, I had a whole list of chores for, for God to do. I treated God like he was my employee, like my errand boy, um, never, even cluing in that hey you know god's will is more important than Nessa's will um you know i only became aware of this and aware of his presence in my life through working the 12 steps you know putting the food down which was a a a little mini god um and that blocked me from the real god and um the other steps that um removed the, the second block which was myself and now I feel the presence of God, and, and uh, mostly, I mean, not through step 11, prayer and meditation, but really in step 12. You know, step 12 is when I get to actually do God's will, which is being of service to, being of service to him and to the people around, around me. Um, there's a passage that I really love. Um, I think it's uh, page 19, and it says, um, a much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs, so you know working step twelve, being of service to others, helping others um, not only in program but in my community um, in my work and in my own home. this is where I feel god's presence the most, and this is what gives my life the most meaning, the most satisfaction, the most joy, all the stuff that I was looking for all those years that was in the food and pursuing, you know, material um, achievement, I guess. Uh, this is what I have found, the presence of God in step 12, which obviously I could not have gotten to um, unless I um, did the, the first 11 steps um, in the entire abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Nessa. Uh, Melissa C. and then Jean Morning, Melissa.
15: Hi, good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. Um, Melissa, she recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and you know, I'm just, I'm having, um, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about, you know, my role as a teacher and how sometimes there's like a million hands that go up and everybody wants to be called on, and the kid that doesn't get called on feels door, and um, I'm just grateful that you called on me this morning. I really I want to to share. Um, you know, yesterday there was talk about, um, that, you know, this broad highway, joining us on this broad highway, and that, you know, and that the problem is, is that many people don't necessarily follow the path so that they can get on this broad highway. And, um, you know, today we're, we're talking about having that profound change of heart, and, um, as someone that gets the opportunity um, and the privilege to work with lots of people, um, seeing the profound change of heart, oh my gosh, because it never fails to happen. When people actually thoroughly follow the path and you see the spiritual awakening, you see them go from bristling and angry and cursing God to having this. Newfound companion. Um, it's really, it's it's just the most beautiful gift of all. And you know, for me, that experience occurred in in measured doses. It wasn't it wasn't that all at once like this man experienced. I too had a world of hurt, a world of reasons why I hated God or cursed God's existence or doubted God's existence, and then. I remember one day listening to this meeting. I had already decided that I was going to follow what you folks were telling me to do because you sounded like you had what I wanted. And um, and I heard something on this line. We were talking about fear, and I was so owned by my fear. I felt like I had every right to be afraid. And if you lived the way I lived, you'd be scared too. And I and and I heard talking about fear. And saying that it was um, like a thief, you know, and um, and I remember coming out of my mouth was, who are you to tell me I can't be afraid? Who are you to tell me I'm not entitled to my fear? And it was like in that moment I heard God say, so you want to be entitled to your fear? And and that was like one a God moment for me. And and then it's just, you know, it happens. It happens. Um, Every time I took more action, every time I was willing to open my ears, listen, take direction, I began to feel the nearness of my creator. And, and that's what I get to see in people that I work with. And it really is a joy and a privilege. Thank you with that. i okay.
0: Thanks so much, Melissa. Uh, Jeannie F. and then Craig F. Good morning,
12: Jeannie. Hi, Hi this is Jeannie F., Compulsive Overreader in New York. Um, I think that this is really this I have to say that this um, part of the book very much speaks to where I was at when I first came into program, and i have I went through years of experience and exploration with with a lot of this i I had a teacher once who used to say there's nothing more irrelevant than the answer to a question no one is asking, and for me i didn't have a question at a certain point I just had an opinion, and my opinion was that there was, you know, where he says here, who are you to say there is no God? My opinion was, if there's any kind of a God in this world, well, who needs this God? Because look at this world. I didn't believe that there was a personal God that cared about people. I believed that there was a power greater than me because I didn't make the sun rise, but I didn't believe that it was personal and cared about people until a friend of mine who was a 12-step person, she asked me, are you willing to be willing? She asked me if I was willing to believe there was, you know, did I believe in a higher power? Yes, I don't make the sun rise. Do you think it'll help you? No. Are you willing to, to to believe it'll help you? No. Are you willing to be willing? And I said, yes. And then I had a question. Is there a God? Isn't there a God? What is it? You know, I use the group, good orderly direction, group of drunks, great outdoors, I used all of that because it never tells us in this book what we have how we define God it says define God yourself. And I was able to do that and I you know I think that rebellion is a good thing sometimes if I hadn't rebelled against what I <clears throat> what I grew up with I would really be in trouble today. However, just you know baseless rebellion you know is not a good thing and and it and so for me what ended up happening was I was I had the willingness to be willing to believe that there was a God that cared about people. And then I had an open mind. And when he says, here, who are you to say there is no God? His mind is opened, you know, and I think that's the point here. It's that, at least for me, was that, is that I have to have an open mind to allow in a new conception of God, as I understand God. And that's an ongoing process with me. Sometimes I revert back to my old, you know, on a bad day, you know, I can't, you know, it's almost like I'm a, an, I'm a religious person who's an agnostic at the same time. On a good day, I have a relationship, a clear relationship. And so if you're, if you're struggling with all of this or it sounds too religious to you or whatever, you don't have to worry about that. All you have to do is say, you know, <clears throat> is have the willingness to be willing to consider that whatever you've been doing that isn't working for you that the willingness to be willing that maybe you know I let me put it this way I was willing to be willing that to consider that maybe I had come to the wrong conclusion thank you thanks so much. Hi, my
0: name is my name is Vicki uh, can I share wait I have four or five names already Vicki oh I so sorry think. sorry yes. that's okay I'm glad everyone's so eager Craig F and then
4: uh, Lynn Craig good morning Mr
16: Craig, you there? Press dial one. Yeah, I'm 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 here. I was muted. I didn't okay.
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. All
16: right. This, okay. this is Craig F recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh driving down the road. Um the uh this story, the our southern friend uh, here and then any story later on, I would I would sit for years and Big book meetings and listen to this story, thinking, "Yeah, I want that." You know, I want that. I want that spirit of God to hit me like a, like a wind and and blow away everything. And you know, and I, I would think to myself, it, "It was my character defects, my uh, procrastination, my perfectionism, uh, that were keeping me from, uh, and my ego that was keeping me from doing the steps." You know, I, that's what I thought, and that I uh, uh, that if I would have this experience, this spiritual experience, then I'd be willing to uh, do the steps. I'd be willing to surrender more completely to the program. Uh, in other words, with God swept through me like a spirit, like the you know spirit of the universe or whatever it says, that I would. a conundrum because I I couldn't put the food down I couldn't uh, surrender and do the steps I felt because I hadn't had this experience but the program tells us it's the other way around you know in in the 12th step it says having had a spiritual experience as the result of these steps that it's the result of the steps it's not going to hit me It, it may hit some like this but it wasn't going to hit me like a ton of bricks out of the blue um, that my connection with God was so clogged with my ego and so clogged with my dishonesty that I had to clear that away. And so I was faced with that same conundrum that that people come in and say, well, do I work the steps first or do I put the food down first? Well, you can't work the steps when you have the you' picked up when you're picking up the food
7: and, and have that
16: effective experience I, I I don't believe and and I can't have this connection with God cleared up uh, w- without doing the steps that's the tool that is the the purpose of of going on through of taking my inventory of of admitting it to God to myself and another human being of asking humbly asking God to remove my shortcomings instead of working on them with some uh contrived method uh and then making those amends being willing to make amends regardless of the outcome to to people i had at harm but when i do those things when i and when i live in those things when i continue to make amends okay thank you then it continues to keep that path clear and with that i'll pass thank you
0: thanks very much um Lynn and Carmella, if you could each go one and a half minutes?
4: Your biggest point. Lynn, why don't you start? How about Carmela? Do you mean do
0: you
10: mean Lauren N? Lauren N, yes, Lauren N, yes.
4: Thank you, make you a, Anita?
10: Yes, I'll do quick, quick. <laughs> Thank you all for being on the line. I am so grateful today for having this program and all of you in my life and for bringing me to God and for showing me the way to surrender my beliefs in my life and to help me get recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Have a great day, everyone.
0: How beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren N. and Carmela G. I think you will be our last. You have two minutes.
11: Thank you so much, Anita. This is Carmela G. from New York. Um, this, I, I felt the urgency to speak because I always had religion in my life. Um, I always had a weight problem in my life. I would say. Very um, arrogantly, if I didn't get what I wanted, God was on vacation. He doesn't pay attention to Carmela like the brat that I was. And I was stricken with an illness, and I was near death. And as I laid in bed, I was poor being saying God had abandoned me. And he did something that day that I could never have imagined Whatever happen. he sent a nurse, because I was on home care, to my home, and she cared for me so well, and she wasn't scheduled to come that day. Well, that day I spent the day crying after she left, apologizing to the God of my understanding. But guess what? After I recovered, I went right back to the food. And it was only through this program and working the steps, That right now, today, I have a relationship that if I'm falling off that cliff, I know that there is a God who never leaves me, who is with me every single day, no matter what my defects, no matter my imperfections, who loves me and is there to carry me through if I only surrender. And that is what I do every single day. And thank you for allowing me to share.
0: Thank you so much, Carmella G. I want to thank everybody who shared today, and we had a couple more who wanted to share. Hopefully you could stay for the second unrecorded hour. Uh, Today's share ID number is
4: 11350. 11,350. And uh, we will now close with the reading from the big book,
0: which can be found on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. So I will ask Lauren N. to please read that for us.
10: Anita, can you hear me? Yes.